It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Lincoln Shrike, and we have a special guest on today's episode. You saw him qualify for the Olympic team in Atlanta. You've heard him on virtually every single running podcast known <laughs> to the wide universe. So it makes sense that he's joining us now. It's Jake Riley. Jake, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Getting Getting through this time of flu and, and epidemics um but yeah I, i've been uh, keeping busy um i'm just trying to get through it one day at a time i read an interview that you did earlier in the week once the olympics were postponed and you said you were going to give yourself a few days to be bummed about it and then move on from there where are you at in that in that stage right now uh i have moved moved through the the initial disappointment phase um so obviously I was really looking forward to getting a chance to compete um, in August. I was looking forward to all the, you know, everything that comes with going to the Olympics as well as the race itself. Um, but I think, you know, there are also some positives to be found in this whole crappy mess as far as my training and my ability to prepare for the Olympics. Um, I've had only two healthy buildups since I came back from injury. So you know, this gives me a whole extra year to get more healthy miles under my belt. We can probably do two, potentially even three full buildups before we actually have to do the race. So um, I think that will certainly help me in a way that potentially, um, you know, some other people who've had more consistent careers, um, it'll help me catch up to them a little bit. Um, We can probably get like a speed segment in there somewhere, which before it was going to be marathon, marathon, marathon. And now we get a chance to maybe do some some shorter, quicker stuff to get a little bit more turnover, which I think is only going to help me in more of a championship race. Uh, and then uh, now that I have that uh, that Olympic association with my name, I get to do some cooler races. So like we're we're looking ahead a little bit, trying to figure out um, what races kind of in the fall, spring we might be able to do. And there are just some more opportunities on the table now. So um, I will hopefully be able to cross some of the races off my bucket list here in the near future. So. Um, as scary a time as this is and as uh disappointing as i was as was initially to um have the olympics postponed and and to just everything that's going on um 
I am in a better place um, as far as you know, my personal goals and, and what I'm going to be doing for the next year, year and a half. And, and Jake, this question has been posed to virtually every runner, but what have you had to do to change up the way you train? Are you running with less people? What has tra- changed about your day-to-day uh, training routine given the pandemic? Uh, I had my first workout back today. So today, until today, nothing had changed because I was um, doing like 30, 45 minute runs and I'm not going to like drive 20 minutes to go meet up with some guys for a 25 minute run. That's usually I wake up a little bit too late and then I just get out the door and like get it in. Um, you know, I'm not going to put a lot of effort into trying to run somewhere special when it's 30 minute type of thing. So, so far it hasn't really changed anything because I'm just coming back to activity after um, you know my day the, the, the uh today with my workout you know obviously coach like was there but he was also staying six feet away so it's a little bit weird to get directions from him like inside of his car um you know keeping keeping the full distancing thing out and then you know i guess the only thing daily that i really notice is here on the trails like everybody's kind of skirting to the very farthest edge that they can to try and you know keep the the six feet um you definitely see less people out but at the same time like the route that we run today is usually just slammed with cars because uh, it's kind of rush hour that we're out there and there were no cars. So I, I don't want to call that a good thing because that means people aren't going to work. But um, for from solely my selfish perspective, that part was kind of nice. Um, moving forward, I think it is going to affect some stuff. You know, I would probably be jumping in workouts with um, the other two guys in my training group, Tim, uh, yeah, Tim Rackers and David Goodman, um, who they were doing a bunch of track prep, so they're pretty fit right now. Um, and so I would be jumping in with them to get my my butt kicked if we're going to be honest um obviously we won't be doing that lately um so there'll be more stuff on my own and you know i've i've trained solo in the past before and it's not fun but you know it is what it is and at the very least for now we're still allowed to go outside so um you know i'll still be able to get on the trails it was going to be mostly tempos and road work uh, this early on anyway so um I'm not nearly as impacted as you know, the track athletes are, or the um, the uh, you know, the people that need a few more facilities. Um, I have like not a great home gym setup here, but I can you know I have some weights and some stuff I can do. So yeah, it, I'm doing pretty good. I've been able to to deal with the um, restrictions pretty well. I know you just mentioned that you uh, started workouts again, so still a long way off until you're working up into a marathon phase, but given that you don't know exactly when the Olympics are going to be, how do you, how are workouts going to be staged and how are you going to, I assume you'll run a marathon kind of like you mentioned in in the fall, but you don't know if the Olympics are going to be where they were just a year later, or if they're going to be in the spring, like kind of, how are you building out your schedule right now? Um, well, so we can take the, the near time. We have a pretty good idea of what that's going to be because there are no races scheduled. So we know that like, the earliest races that are still on the docket to have been postponed like in July. So we originally had um, Peachtree on the, the plan. Um, and so far that has not been moved. And so that is still kind of what we're eyeing for a sort of a first thing. And because it's the roads, it, it might be a little bit easier to, um, to have that uh, still stay on the schedule, even when you know, track races and stuff are getting canceled. Um, so, even if that doesn't end up happening, Lee is very much um, 
of the mindset that like we're just going to train as we normally would and <clears throat> and if we can't get a um like a racing opportunity then we'll just do some time trials maybe we'll do some shorter faster stuff we can get higher intensity activity if we need to um and at the very least we'll get just training under your belt like that's not going to completely go to waste it might be frustrating to be training and trying to push yourself and you're not quite as motivated because there's nothing to really um like look forward to with it but we'll still probably put it in i might not put as much mental uh commitment into the process as i would otherwise but you know we'll still go out and make sure we're getting in good quality work decent amount of mileage uh and then whenever we get a little bit more clarity on the situation we'll be able to schedule things moving forward so we don't really have to make a decision about the long-term um plan until we get a little bit more clarity from the olympic committee um we're not a training group that really does things in like big cycles like i know there's people like okay if we're going to have a marathon segment then we need to have a speed segment going into it and we're going to plan out the whole next year of races and they're all going to kind of build on each other we kind of take it um build up by build up so um regardless of what happens in near term and the far term those two blocks are probably not going to affect each other too much i want to go back a little bit because it was just a month ago when the Olympic marathon trials happened. And I know it feels like probably years ago for all of us, uh, Lincoln and I were there watching that race and your story was incredible, but there were so many of the six who made it. Um, I guess you could exclude Rupp because he was the big favorite going in, but there were surprises all across the board. Your, your story, you know, might've even been bigger if it weren't for, you know, Molly winning the women's race in her marathon debut and, and what Abdi did. Um, can you just describe the the emotional shift that's happened over these thirty days from going from the highest highs um, to where we're at to where we're at now? Can you can you just kind of somehow put that into words? Yeah, it is certainly. I don't know. Like, it feels a little bit like the beginnings of a horror movie because I remember being at the trials the day before in the. <laughs> And, and that that sounds a little bit hyperbolic, but like, well, actually, no, it's a pandemic. I think there's like some horror movie elements there. Mm. Um, I remember being at the trials in the press conference the day before, and I was getting questions about coronavirus, and I was a little bit surprised. I was like, Man, I really didn't think this was a big deal. I think at that time, I, like a lot of other people, were thinking it's kind of like um, previous pandemic warnings. So swine flu, H1N1, those... Um, uh, avian flu, all those those big ones that we heard rumblings of, but never ended up making it over here in a big way. Um, and so I thought it was going to be another one of those. Uh, and so I was a little bit confused, like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a big deal and it'll be some disruption, but like, it's not going to persist, which is so like a foreshadowing type of thing, given where we are now. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, that that whole build. And so the few days after the, the marathon, I was still getting questions about it. But I was like, oh, it'll be fine by August. I'm going to join my time. And then all of a sudden, just cancellation after cancellation after cancellation. Um, and so it was just sobering. And partly from a track perspective, I mean, I'm, again, still in a pretty good position. I have, you know, money saved up. And it, I think road racing will eventually come back. And my lifestyle is set up in such a way that, like, I can subsist on um, not not a whole lot, but like um, you just see the disruption that's that's going on everywhere else, and it's just really scary. And so, um, yeah, the uncertainty has certainly um, 
cooled what would be um, a pretty, I think, exciting sort of hectic time. And, you know, that's not, I'm saying, not saying that as a complaint. It's just, uh, it's just strange to think uh, how different this is from what you would normally expect from someone who just made the Olympics. Yeah, ordinarily, there would be this whirlwind, I would guess, because it's, it's March, and then in a couple months, you'd race at the Olympics, l fulfilling this lifelong dream, and then run, race a fall marathon. And now it's stretched out over this longer period of time. I know everybody's grasping for silver linings at, at times like this, but is there some positive just in the fact of, you know, when this is all settled, you can kind of enjoy being a Olympian to be for a, for a much longer time and get to take a breath before you go, go to uh, Tokyo and actually do the race? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, there, as far as I know, like there's no, my spot's not going anywhere. Um, so yeah, I'm still an Olympian Hope to be, not. so a Fair lot not. of the perks that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that might also be tragic foreshadowing. Um, but, uh, you know, even as an Olympian to be, there are still perks associated with that. That'll be fun to enjoy. But I think the other thing Right. This is the first time the Olympics have ever been postponed in, you know, 100 and what is it, 24 years of history or whatever. Um, and this is a pandemic that we haven't seen anything on this scale since, what, 1980? That was or not 1918. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we don't really we haven't really had like a worldwide pandemic like this in a really long time. And so um, there are still a lot of questions about whether or not even this year postponement is going to be enough, right? Like they're talking about mm -hmm. if these measures don't go quite as we planned or if the vaccine doesn't turn out as, as well as we hoped it did, um, that like there are even still some possibilities that we could be dealing with this into next year and potentially beyond. So if the Olympics do go on and that would mean that essentially the world has gone through a year of like pretty rough times and, um, but we will have gotten over the worst of it. I think that's the only way that this could go forward. And so, um, you know, the Olympics are supposed to be this this show of global unity and <clears throat> um, kind of bringing together all the countries of the world. And I think that will be even more true um, if it comes if it's happening in the in the face of this pandemic. I think it has the potential to be, um, you know, to represent that symbol. Um, even more so than it normally would, right? Like if I shake my competitor's hand at this 2021 Olympics, like that's going to have a whole different level of significance um, than it, it may have in 2020. So, um, you know, it, it, it will be hopefully like a, a celebration, the catharsis in the face of a whole bunch of tragedy and the, um, the potential to be a part of something like that and something that potentially special. Um, I think that is definitely a reason to to look forward and to um, to be hopeful for these these coming games. Um, so yeah, we, the only way we get there is if we give the the nurses and the doctors and the researchers um, time to get on top of this thing. So you know it, we we need to make some sacrifices now. But I think if we do, um, the celebration and the party afterwards is going to be a lot of fun, and it'd be it'll be awesome to be part of that. Jake, one thing we talked about in <clears throat> Atlanta before the onset of these very dark times was your sponsorship situation. And you anticipated that that was maybe going to be coming down the pipeline. I assume other issues have taken precedence over that right now. Um, but I'm curious 
if anything is moved um, from in that situation, and if you feel like this pandemic has slowed talks, uh, if not. Yeah, um, I think a lot of companies are in a little bit of a holding pattern right now. I don't think they're quite feeling the hurt in the way that like retail stores are just yet. Um, and I don't want to speak for everybody. Um, so I think a lot of companies out there are kind of like, well, we were in talks, but we're going to wait a little bit just to see how things shake out with our finances and with everybody else. Um, so uh, my agent is, or agents are still kind of in talks with a bunch of different companies. We're still going back and forth, but you know, with no races on the schedule. Um, and you know, there's no sense of huge urgency. And I think it makes a lot more sense to focus on kind of immediate pressing questions and we can deal with the sponsorship deal later on. Um, yeah, I, I still would love to have a sponsor, but uh, I have done many years without one. And so if I have to keep doing that for the next few months, it's not a huge deal. And uh, it'll allow me to pay money and to support my local running store. So that's that's always good. This isn't your situation, but I've just been curious thinking about athletes that are in college now that may be coming out this spring or summer to try to turn professional. How much would you say that that economy is damaged? Is there are there brands that are going to sign college to pro athletes? I know that again, that's not your situation, but you've signed a pro contract before. Is is that something that is just hugely affected by this? Cool. I. Not only is that not my current situation, that is not something I have a whole lot of, like, like the economic side of it, I'm not, I, yeah. I would imagine so, yeah, I mean, the economy has taken a big hit right now, and I think it sounds like we're still headed for the peak, we are not there yet, so, like, I think things are only going to get worse, and so after retail starts laying their people off, I think there's going to be sort of repercussions to the economy, and I don't think anybody's really going to be, uh, safe from it unless you somehow snag some of those bailout money so like i would imagine that the shoe companies are going to be hurting along with everybody else and yeah that'll probably affect some contracts and uh that's gonna uh dry up some of the opportunities that a collegiate might otherwise have um which is just one of the the many victims of a really really crappy situation you made the you made the joke before about uh, if you still have a spot on on the team, and we saw before that um, USATF had made some statement about you know obviously I'm not going to rerun the race, but there would be something about showing fitness. Is has that does that gel with what you've heard? What what have you heard about the requirements on the six of you guys that that made the team in Atlanta? No official word on it, though. Um, I was just talking to Lee today, and he was saying that there was something about like. The contract that we have in America, there's nothing built in um, with having to, to do any sort of fitness test to ensure your place. So there's like a question of whether it would even be legal to have us demonstrate. Now, at the same time, the Olympics has never been postponed, so there's never been a reason to test that theory. Um, as far as I know, uh, there is no demonstration of fitness, but I also think the um, USOC is like scrambling to get their ducks in a row right now. So um, it'll take a little while to get like an actual final concrete answer on that. I'm not particularly concerned about it. I don't imagine that even if I were asked to demonstrate fitness, that it would be something insane, like go out and run you know, 207 or something. So um, <laughs> the way I take it is like, you just need to go out and run fast and show that you are still you know, relatively healthy and fit. And 
um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to sit around and twiddle my thumbs for a year. Like I was planning to go out and race. So, uh, it is essentially, um, yeah, it, it has essentially no effect on my plans. Like it's telling me to do exactly what I was already going to be doing. So, um, even if that is the case, I'm not particularly concerned about my ability to demonstrate fitness, uh, cause that's essentially my job description. Yeah. Well, if you do have a designated show fitness race, would it be possible to fulfill a request of mine, which would be, could you grab a flag the last mile, just like you did in Atlanta? Can you recreate that scenario in your showing fitness race? Because that would be incredible. Yeah, I just got to have uh, spectators. Every race going forward now, I'm just going to have to have somebody out there uh, holding one out. Um, and now, and that's the other thing is like, <laughs> the thing, the lesson I learned from this experience was don't do that. But like, it became such a, such a thing that like, it's kind of my thing right now, so I, I kind of have to. Um, they give out flags <laughs> at Boulder Boulder, and I grabbed the flag going into the stadium at Boulder Boulder this last year, uh, but that was because I was 50 meters behind the guy in front of me, and I was in like the last third of the race, so there was no one behind me either. So I was like, I'm just going to grab this thing and kind of wave it as I head into the stadium. It has no effect on the outcome. Um, as I've said in, in multiple places, like I regretted taking that flag almost immediately, but... Um, you know, you got to do it for the brand. So um, I guess I'm going to be taking every flag that's offered to me. So um, anyone wants to stand near a finish line with a flag, I'll grab it. So long as you make it obvious and wave it in front of me, I, I have to. I'm probably going to be contractually obligated here pretty soon. <laughs> I did It was I so great or... just because... Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Lincoln. Okay, I was just going to say, did I dream this or did you give that the tiny flag to your coach? Did I see that somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. So I gave uh, Ali the number or the, the bib from the back of my uniform um, and that flag that I grabbed. And um, I also wrote like a little note with it and framed the whole thing and gave it to him. Um, yeah, I I don't know that he really like took a chance on me. It wasn't like anything super big and poetic. He had a training group and I am like a pretty competent runner even before this. So like I don't I think it was not particularly brave of him to take me on but at the same time like we both went through a lot of personal stuff at a similar amount of time and i think we're coming out of not great places and um you know my return to fitness and the success that i've had is kind of running parallel to him um, falling back in love with coaching and um kind of yeah falling back in love with the sport after um the death of john gray which really threw him for a loop and threw a lot of us for a loop. So, um, you know, that being able to give him some sort of token, you know, gesture of appreciation for um, kind of being with me and working with me through like what was a really long comeback with a lot of setbacks and, and a lot of, um, you know, uh, hardships. Um, yeah, it, it was a really easy decision for me to give him that flag. You know, uh, I think it, it ha has a little bit more symbolism and, and poignancy um if it's sitting on his wall then hang it out on my so the only thing i was gonna it, my question was not nearly as serious as that it was just a stupid follow-up about how it was just funny the size of the flag the size of the flag was was so small which made it so much better because you didn't notice it unless you really looked for it it, it, it was kind of like a cool Easter egg that you find in like a, a favorite television show or something like zoom in on this finished photo and you can see uh, that, that he's actually holding the flag as, as obvious right behind you. And Leonard career just has the, the face of death. Um, 
and you're just skipping along there with it. You're holding it just like a baton almost. It was, uh, I mean, yeah. that's like the image of the trials I, to me. Yeah. I also never unfurled it the entire time in every single picture that it's in. I'm never actually like taking it and waving it around, which is what you're supposed to do. I never stopped like having it completely <laughs> crumpled up. So it's really just like a little stick in my hand with like a little bit of red and blue popping out. So the entire reason for taking it uh, was negated. I never actually did the thing. Cause like, you know, every time other athletes get that flag, they like running along with the, the flag over their shoulders and they're kind of waving this little thing. I never actually did that. So the whole point was, uh, yeah, it, I never actually used it for its purpose. That's funny. Okay, did we lose Kevin? Oh, he's Kevin. frozen. He's, he's... <laughs> all right. Well, we'll, we'll try to try to Shall uh, forge ahead. Back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I wanted to ask was, uh, we all dream of crossing the finish line and having a great, like a photo across the line and your celebration photo was pretty epic. Uh, was that something you planned or was that just in a spur of the moment, like tribal scream? Oh yeah. yeah. I think if you are planning your finish line celebration going into the trials, <laughs> you are probably, um, either very, like very, very confident and good or um you are focusing on the wrong things so um no that was that was a release of sort of just emotional energy built up over you know six months of thinking exclusively about this race every single day um four five six seven years of like having this as a goal and a dream and then um you know, I caught the pack at the, the chase pack at like 24 and then Abdi and Leonard wouldn't drop and it was three guys for two spots. So also like the nervous energy of like trying to to make sure that I was staying in place and, you know, not knowing until the last 20 meters that I actually had this spot locked up. And so that's just, um, that's just a lot of nervous energy all being expelled at once. And then also uh, just a lot of, of joy. Like, I don't know. It's, I think not particularly creative to, to swear when you're excited or to just yell, but sometimes like words fail you a little bit. And so you, you drop an expletive or you just sort of scream and pump your fist because you just need somewhere to put all of that uh, excitement. And so that's what, that's what that was. It was just, um, I needed somewhere to put my uh, enthusiasm and joy. And so that's what it turned into. I assume you've had a chance to rewatch the race, but I, I haven't rewatched it, but just watching, watching it in the press room, it didn't seem like you were actually on the, you, you weren't really a part of the show until late. I could be wrong, but all of a sudden it was like, it was Augustus Mayo and Leonard career. And then all of a sudden you were there. Like, have you had a chance to watch it? And do you spot yourself throughout? Or is it just kind of like the last two miles that all of a sudden you appear? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, when the pack was still fully together, which was only for, I don't know, 20 minutes before Schrader made his, his big move. Um, you can kind of spot me in the background. Uh, and then my move didn't come until, um, I think, so midway through Trump's press conference. And so when you watch the, the actual thing that was shown on national TV, um, they come back from that and they're like, oh, hey, keep an eye on Jake Riley. Like, he's moved up from that backpack. He might be catching these guys. And so... Um, yeah, a lot of the stuff that was happening in the second group, um, they were mostly paying attention to, to Galen and that chase pack. And then 
uh, Trump's announcement. And then, um, yeah, then they finally start mentioning me, which uh, for all uh, NBC's faults in coverage, including getting Sally Kipiego's medal wrong, um, Actually, I don't think they even called her a medalist. I think they just said he was she was an Olympian for Kenya, which is completely absurd that you're overlooking someone's <laughs> silver medal. Neither here nor there. Um, but uh, for all their faults, I think you know when there's a 45 minute gap between the chase pack and the second chase pack, like it makes sense to probably focus in on the three guys that are battling for two spots yep. right up there. So um, yeah, I, I think it makes the narrative of the race better. And then I, you know, they do give us a little bit of attention um, later on. Uh, so if we're gonna gonna fault NBC for their coverage, there are plenty of other things to get mad of, uh, including not using split screen for every single shot. I have idea why they're doing single screen at any point in this race when there are two races going on concurrently. Both of them are exciting, and somehow they manage to miss every single move. And so America, I am right there with you. Uh, I I feel your. <laughs> I like that sentence there. When I made my move halfway through Trump's press conference, like yeah. if you had told me that sentence in 2018 or 2019, I would be like, wait, what, what? Like there's so many layers and levels to, to, to that statement there. I mean, what is, what just a surreal day and just an insane month that, that everyone's been through. Yeah, it is a different time and it is unprecedented. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're living through history, so I guess that's something. Yeah. So what activities do, do you normally do outside of running that you've had to curtail? I know a lot of distance runners are just, you know, eat, sleep, train. So this lifestyle may not be too much different, but is there stuff that you, you like to do or you enjoy doing that you're not able to do now? Uh, as far as things that I like or enjoy, um, I, my girlfriend and I have kind of decided to, to, you know, respect the social distancing rules so we don't get to see each other in person. Uh, that definitely sucks. Um, I, uh, I like to go play pub trivia and normally with this being downtime, like probably trying to do that once or twice a week and can't do that. Um, I mean, those are sort of minor sacrifices, but I'm also in grad school right now. So, uh, there was a big group project that we were, and we were still technically working on it, but it's just in a very different form. So these past few weeks was supposed to be, uh, machining of the device, assembly of the device, a bunch of in-person work, work with um, a big group of people, uh, which clearly we are not able to do. So um, we've been scrambling to try and find alternative ways to work together. There's a lot of video conferencing that goes into that. Um, and then I also still have my part-time job as an SAT tutor, which normally I would be doing in-person with students, um, which I'm not right now. Uh, now those are not the things, there is yeah, necessarily things I enjoy, uh, but that is what I would normally be doing. In, Instead, it's all hmm. sitting in this chair looking at this screen for five hours a day. So that's a lot. That's a lot of disruptions to your normal to your normal routine. Uh, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I am still able to do those things and I'm still able to work and I'm still able to participate in school to a certain extent. So mm -hmm. like you know, there are people that like their job is physical and it requires being physically present somewhere that are just kind of sitting around because there's nothing else to do. So honestly, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. Like my disruptions are relatively minor compared to, to some of the other stuff out there. Um, but yeah, I want to I want to go to a bar and I can't. And that's stupid. 
<laughs> are you uh have you filled in the time with any anything you're watching that's good on on netflix or any anything you're listening to any books you're reading uh well i wanted to watch the deadwood movie but then realized i've forgotten everything about the show and so making my way back through deadwood um i got a really great puzzle going on right now that i'm about i don't know a third of the way yes. through so that's going well um i decided to take up video games again so i started fallout 3 not sure if i'm gonna keep going with it um it seems a little slow for me so i might be switching that up uh finding things to uh to keep busy with um yeah but at the same time like this group we're we're really scrambling right now because finding vendors has been uh difficult and so a lot of my time during the day is spent like putting out fires with sourcing materials and all this kind of stuff uh, you're talking about your your class. What what are you what are you saying? What what vendors are you are you talking? Oh about? yeah yeah yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I'm no, uh, cool. my major is mechanical engineering, and um, I'm part of this graduate design program, and so we're we're working with a local company to try and make a product for them. Um, it is a physical product, and a lot of the parts need to be machined, and then we also need to buy them from a bunch of different people. Um, but so we were going to do the machining ourselves. Uh, but our machine shop on at school got closed down. And so we're trying to find like local machine shops that are still open. And then like we have the material, but like to give somebody material, like it needs to be disinfected and you can't interact with the people directly. Mm -hmm. And so there's all kinds of logistical issues with trying to, um, to do any sort of in-person physical process. Well, as you were talking about earlier, you said you were social distancing from your from your girlfriend, which I applaud you for being an example. I think that would be difficult for anyone to do. And you're taking it to the I don't want to say the extreme because everyone needs to be taking it to the extreme. But I applaud you for being an example in that regard. Yeah, um, I don't know. We're like just on the fence about it. It's like we're both doing social distancing in general, but we also all we both live with people. And then like you're going to the grocery store and, you know, we're young. But you also see all those stories about like young people can get affected too, and yeah, I don't want to be one of those people in an overcrowded hospital, and also just you know not overburdening an already overburdened healthcare system. Um, and honestly, my insurance isn't that good, so if I were to go in, it would probably would uh, uh, cost me a lot of money. So it really sucks, and it's been tough. Um, but I think ultimately, it's probably the right call. Well, what's your what's drastic... your current living situation and how do you how, how are you interacting with the people that that live with you or near you uh so i rent the basement room from a friend of my coaches so it's all above board i'm paying like regular amount of rent so university of colorado don't get mad at me um but yeah i i rent a room and so there are three other people living in the house they kind of have the upstairs the downstairs is kind of mine but i go up to, to use the kitchen uh pretty much everybody in the house is social distancing distancing their their retirees so they only really need to go out to the grocery store uh and then it's just a lot of like wiping down surfaces and making sure you wash your hands when you come back into the house and all that kind of stuff uh i noticed you're wearing your stanford sweatshirt I, I just wanted just a generic like what's your what's your best Stanford story that you can share? Obviously, you had pretty famous teammates, Chris Derrick. Well, Chris Derrick, uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe what's your Chris Derrick story? <laughs> the, well, the Rosa brothers. There you go. There's some more. So um, 
we uh, every year um, for training camp, or we would do two weeks and we would go somewhere. So my first two years of school, we went up to Mammoth Lakes. Um, the last three years, we went up to Lake Tahoe. So we'd rent condos and kind of stay out there. And there's always supposed to be like on the, the first or second long run, there's supposed to be a big team bonding activity. Um, so, you know, the freshmen don't know what it is, uh, but they're just told to like, okay, you're just going to stay in the group and we're going to keep everybody together. And when we get to a certain part of the run, we're going to be able to, to do this thing. And I'm not going to say what it is because it's team secrets. I don't know if they still do it. Um, but if you know anything about Chris, it's that he loves to hammer his long runs. And we had another teammate, Brandon Gregg, who also loves to hammer his long runs. And so is for the entire time together, it was always a challenge to keep anybody together on a long run because it's Chris doesn't do it out of malice. He doesn't do it um, for any, like, I'm going to hammer the guy next to me. He just freaking loves to get after it on a long run. And so sure enough, he just sprints out ahead um, or maybe like five miles in. So he and Brandon are just trying to take it to each other. And he completely missed out on the team bonding activity. And now that I'm saying it, it's not a great story, but that is just a symbol of chris's identity like he's willing to miss out on a, a team practice because you just can't not put it yeah i think it's a very relatable story at all levels <laughs> somebody's somebody's always going to be whether it's you can run 515 pace on a long run or you can run 615 pace it's relatable there's always somebody that's going to do that so no i i especially I totally... a freshman yeah <laughs> <laughs> I like how the, uh, the laughter wanna... is delayed across this. It's very, uh, very no, Skype-like. It'll, Sorry. It'll sound good. Um, it adds flavor. No, my my other my other sign of the times here is we are, what, 30, 40 minutes into this, and we haven't asked a single question about a certain pair of shoes that was all we literally talked about in January <laughs> and February, yeah. and now it's yeah. uh, now it's March, and, and we're not even talking about it, Lincoln. It's crazy. Right. I guess I, I had to think for just a second which shoes, and then I obviously I mean I know you're talking about the Alpha Flies, but I had to think of the name. It was like the first thing that came across my <laughs> mind in the morning. So I, I do want to ask Jake: do, do you have the shoes you ran in? Did they have to go off to get tested? I've heard rumors that like they, the World Athletics had to look at everybody that wore Nike shoes. Like, what was the story with your shoes after the race? Yeah, they took them and they made us sign a release form. Uh, so they got sent to Switzerland to do something on them um i think they're still trying to figure out if the restrictions they placed on shoes are are uh reasonable or what they're doing so i guess they wanted to see what happens to the shoe after they've been raced in or something um so it, it's not like drug testing or anything like that they're not there's no yeah, chance yeah. that like they're going to come back and say like oh you had x on your shoe so now you're you're disqualified um but they did send it away to be tested i will be getting it back at some indeterminate date in the future. Um, so eventually they'll be here and I'll mount them or something. Or actually I might race in them again, depending on when I get a sponsor or if I get a sponsor. Uh, so who knows? I mean, there's still there's still some miles left on those bad boys. Con conventional wisdom with, with running shoes is, I mean, we always heard maybe growing up and I guess even beyond that, well, don't race in a brand new pair of shoes, but you did that and that was kind of a just a, a mark of the scenario of it of of how the, the shoe release by Nike was and and yeah I know you were making a last minute decision. Did you have any hesitation though going back a month to putting on a brand new shoe pair of shoes out of the box and racing them? Uh, the out of the box question, no. I I have no issues with you know when as soon as I get flats I'll put them in whatever workout I 
want to do with this big workout or, or not. Like, um, and the, the same thing with racing, like shoes don't really have like a break-in period anymore. So the only thing I was moderately concerned about was like whether or not the alpha fly would continue to feel as good, you know, 10 miles in as it did during the strides. So during the strides that I did, I you know, had an alpha fly on one foot and a vapor fly on the other. And I could tell that the alpha fly felt better doing that. And it felt fine cornering, which was the other thing I was concerned about because it's got such a high stack height. Um, so the only thing I was concerned about was like, okay, well, I like it now, but maybe the the kind of stride that this is I, I'm doing with it is like is going to be a little bit tiresome farther down the road. Um, but uh, even that, I think, is a pretty minor concern. Um, it doesn't change my stride a ton, so it's just like a springier version of a regular shoe. So no, I think I think as runners who can tend to be pretty um, type A and like really try to control a lot of stuff. I think we can overthink a lot of the decisions that we make. Um, and at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff that we like agonize over, whether it's, you know, just what your macros are and the, your diet the week leading up beforehand, or like exactly what the, the concentration is in your water bottles, like really doesn't end up mattering all that much. Um, you know, the stuff that I put in my bottles and the gels that I take, I don't take because I did any particular in-depth research about how, like, it's replacing exactly the amount of sweat. It's because I used it uh, in a workout and it worked. And so I was like, okay, well, this is clearly doing what it's supposed to be doing. So I guess I will continue to use it because I'm not going to spend the next month tinkering with a formula to try and get, like, 0.001% improvement in something that, like, is going to be negated if I get the sniffles the week beforehand. So, um I think, you know, shoes, they're a big deal. But at the same time, like, Nike's a good company, or they are good at doing what they do. Like, they make good shoes. The shoes have been shown to to work. Um, there should not be any issues with them, like, falling apart in the middle of the race. So, um, yeah, there's no real reason to suspect it. Like, they're not going to do what they're supposed to do um, just because it's a bigger event. So this fall, Jake, you'll have options for marathon literally all of them london chicago berlin boston new york um you probably don't want to give away which one's your favorite because of bargaining reasons um because you're a hot commodity now because you're an olympian so just between the three of us which i mean which one would you want to run <laughs> uh, all of them are on my bucket list now i've already run chicago but i mean there's no reason to take it off because it's worked out really well for me both times that I've done it. And you can already tell that I am positioning myself uh, very politically right now. Uh, but all of them are on my bucket list, which means all of them are kind of on the table. I will say the fall Boston, fall London are probably already spoken for. The only way that I would probably get a spot is if somebody dropped out from those fields. So if the likelihood of me running those is probably a little bit less. Um, so that kind of leaves it to um, New York and, and Chicago. Um, there are huge uh, arguments to be made in favor of both of them. Um, so I'm not going to answer your question directly. Uh, I'm going to <laughs> keep it political. There you go. Well, well, let me just say this though. So let me say, so you're saying that the people are probably still locked into their, their London and Boston contracts. So, I mean, that would seem to have a, a lessening effect on how good the fields are going to be in, in something like a New York, or or a Chicago, so I mean, not that you need any help, but your chances of finishing really high in one of those majors just just skyrockets, right? 
Potentially, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people contemplating the, the Boston-New York double or the Boston-Chicago, you know, whatever combination you want to talk about. Um, so, yeah, sure. Uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, more spaced out at the top. That's great. Um, that does feel like a little bit of a cop-out. Like, I certainly feel like if I were to, you know, break into that top three at New York because the field was half as deep as it would be in another year, like, that's kind of a little bit of a BS reason. Um, I will not turn down the prize money associated with it, but uh, I would feel a little <laughs> bit, I, I wouldn't brag about being like top three at Chicago or at New, in New York in like a, uh, you know, an, a strange year. I'm not going to call it watered down because there are plenty of crazy fast marathoners out there. I'm sure they'll be able to put together fantastic fields, no matter how many marathoners are committed to other races. So, you know, you know, it's not going to be a slow race. So I, I would still feel pretty good about it. Um, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. Which one, which, which course do you think best mimics the Sapporo course? Uh, from what I understand, Sapporo, actually, I have a little profile right here. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. I've been looking at it every single day that I sit down at my desk, but it actually doesn't have an elevation profile on it. Um, from what I understand, the Sapporo course is pretty flat and fast. Um, in the sense that it is a, a looped course, and none of them are going to simulate that. But if it's flat and fast, and uh, not too many turns, um, that would probably argue more for a Chicago or a London. Um, but at the same time, those are courses that you go to to like really get after it. Does does London still have pacers? I know Chicago allows pacers. Um, yeah. So yes. you know, you go there to take out all the stops and put a fast time and that's not what the olympics are and that's not what boston and so from the sense of trying to get more experience covering surges and running tactically uh and trying to run for place in that sense that argues more for a boston or a new york so once again i'm being political and arguing out of both sides of my mouth um so i mean the thing is is like there's no bad answers here i think all of them are going to be great competitive opportunities and we're going to be able to get something out of them i think the one of the bigger influences is going to be when we know exactly when the olympics are going to be um because that might affect because there is you know two months of difference in timing there so like you know going with an earlier marathon would allow me to potentially get two build-ups in before a late summer marathon whereas if it's kind of early summer kind of late spring type of thing well then we might go for a later marathon because then we can just take the downtime and put that straight into the marathon build-up so just the way you can kind of arrange things from a, a training perspective over the whole year, that might have some influence on which one we decide to choose and kind of how it stacks out with other races and other preparation. Um, I also really want to run U.S. Cross and try and make that World Cross Country team. So that's going to definitely be a factor in which one we decide to do. Uh, so we still got to talk about that with, with Lee, figure out what, what works best from kind of my other goals. So you would think about running World Cross in 2021 and then also running the Olympics and then maybe a marathon before there? Uh, if we did U.S. Cross, World Cross, there would probably be only be one marathon in between now in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and World Cross would depend on a late summer, kind of around the same time that it was scheduled to be this year. World Cross would probably depend on that being the, the answer. And then also would depend on my getting in. It's been a while since I've run um, short, fast cross country. Well, I guess I did clubs, but that's a slightly different competitive atmosphere. Um, so 
yeah, again, can't make any full decisions about exactly what I'm going to be going for until we have a little bit more clarity about when the Olympics are going to be run. And you've, did you run on the World Cross team before? No. no. I, no. in the past, I've been able to crush it at Club Cross. Uh, I've been, I've won once, got second the next time, and I've gotten fourth um, in pretty competitive fields. Uh, and then we always tried to turn that into success at U.S. Cross. And it just never came together. Like one year I was dealing with a hip injury, injury. One year I was just, I don't know, out of shape and not really into it. Um, and so it has been like Olympics has been kind of the number one overall goal, number one with the bullet. But then like it's always been a world cross team. So being on the, a little bit of a roll that I am right now, I'd like to see if I can turn that marathon success into something on cross country because cross country is my first love. I would love to get back to it. Um, so, you know, it, it has to work out with the schedule. Obviously, the, the main focus has to be being prepared for the games. Um, but, you know, a, a cross-country segment would be shorter, faster stuff while still being kind of hilly and challenging in a way similar to the marathon. So I think there's arguments for the preparation of that being um, good, especially if I make the world team, you know, getting more experience on the world stage, um, a little bit of prep for, for what the uh, Olympics are going to be like. I know on your Instagram a few weeks ago, you, you showed a picture of how you sewed on your own, what, like gel holders in your pockets or what were, what exactly were those? What? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, two hair ties that I, uh, <laughs> in the middle and you just sew the middle, um, under the side of your shorts. Uh, and so, yeah, they're just there to kind of secure the gel, um, right along your hip bones. Um, cause the shorts that I had or the, the shorts that I wanted to wear that felt the best, uh, did not have any sort of pockets. And actually the shorts that I have that do have pockets, it's like a pocket in the middle of the back, which is a pain in the ass to get gels out of. And it also has like a zipper closure, which is dumb if you're trying to get something out on the fly. I, I used those shorts at Chicago. And I remember it took me like 10 seconds to get the stupid things out of the pocket. And so I vowed never to use a zipper pocket again. And I didn't have anything that was a lightweight short that had like a Velcro. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, there's just not like, a short with a good convenient gel holsters holsters that you can use on the fly so i made my own so it's just so two you, little two little hair ties and some twine and i was gonna say have you patented that or uh, you got a business coming off that he's an engineer man he's an engineer yeah yeah <laughs> uh i have not patented it but uh any company that wants to sign me i will sign over the rights and we'll make it the jake riley signature short and we'll market it and we'll all make there we go tens of dollars yeah, a couple people will buy those. Jared sure. Ward's not the only one going on Shark Tank, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Jake, thank you, thank you so much uh, for being so generous with your time. You can now say you've been on every running podcast out there. I mean, maybe there might be two or three <laughs> left, but uh, there's still there's still I a while to the Olympics. So maybe... for Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, it's yeah. I am going to be, and then they'll probably all hit this market. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Good it's for good. you. Well, we, yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and uh, happy training and stay safe. Hey, thanks a lot, you guys. You, you as well. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Social distance. There you Hope go. Twenty twenty one. Appreciate it, Jake. <laughs>